You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead better. As the podcast has grown, the great coaches we have interviewed have shared so much insight and wisdom that we decided to create episodes dedicated entirely to the ideas that have resonated with us the most. Today's episode is on the topic of mental health for coaches, and Grant and I are joined for the discussion with one of our listeners, Mads Clausen, who is an Olympic-level coach from Denmark. If you would like to join us for a future episode to discuss a topic that is close to your heart, then please contact us using the details in the show notes. The Lessons from the Great Coaches Podcast So good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Today we're going to talk about mental health in relation to coaches and coaching. And today we've got Mads Clausen, who is a an established coach, having coached for 20 plus years. But I'll let Mads tell us about himself. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, yes, I'm Mads. I'm, I'm, I coached swimming for 20 plus years, uh, brought a couple of swimmers to the Olympics, been at the Worlds and Europeans. In that end of the game, coach little kids, coach adult beginners, which I find quite fun, actually. So had a big range. I've been head coach most of my life. Had a couple of years as a as a club manager, but that was fun to try. 
and then figured out there was too many numbers and too little people. So squeeze my way back in into what I'm doing now, where I have a part-time position as a coach in a club, where I was supervising both mentoring the head coach and supervising the other coaches in the club. And then I do this, what is my mission, uh, the mental health for coaches. And that came along the way back in the beginning when I was coaching. Basically, my happiness uh, was built on whether my swimmers did well. Later, it was a bit more whether my swimmers were feeling good. And I was working hard. I was there for the swimmers. I did what they needed to either swim good, be happy, and perform. And I came in the end that one of the best meets I had in my life, qualifying swimmers. We did it. It's not an Olympic year. So qualifying uh, swimmers for Europeans and a lot of swimming swimmers jumping to the next level. And I was just empty inside. I couldn't feel happy. Uh, I was burned out. And I started wondering what to do. Uh, I started wondering what it was. It was essentially, there's a lot of stress also in my private life that made it more difficult to be a coach. And I started working on myself. And then the joke was actually that I wanted to become a better coach. And for that reason, I took a coach education, like life coach education, and I started learning NLP and took my NLP education all because I wanted to be a better coach. I wanted to be there for the swimmers. But that journey just also taught me how to take care of myself. And and when I started to take care of myself, coming happy to the pool, well, I started to have happy swimmers. And they started to swim even faster. So, so I, I always, and so, so now I, I, I kind of build this mantra, like happy coach make happy swimmers, happy swimmers swim fast. Instead of the other way around, working hard to make swimmers swim fast and then become happy myself. And then I looked around and looked at, see how many of my colleagues, great empathic people, who want the best for everybody around them and do it to the extent that there's no space for themselves. I started wondering, say, yeah, we as coaches believe that us being there for 10 training trains a week, we make a difference for, our, for the swimmers. Us talking to the swimmers. Swimming coaching is... Uh, we ha- we see these athletes more wake hours than their parents in the period where they're formed as individuals. Their teenage years, their early 20s. Uh, we will often be the person they see the most. And that gives us a huge responsibility, gives us a huge power. And I just started realizing how much me, myself, and a lot of my colleagues, we were proud of the difference we could make. Proud of, proud of the fact that by being there, by talking to the swimmers, we could make them good swimmers, we could get them, make them great people at the same time. 
And then I looked behind and said, who had my back? If I believe so much that my coaching for the swimmers would have such a huge impact, why was there not another person behind my back giving me the same support, the same just follow up a goals? Just the small, like the smallest part of coaching is just set a goal and follow up. What do you want to achieve? What happened? Who do that for a coach? Yeah, sometimes the board do it, but that's often from a completely different perspective. But who see that little thing every week? So did you manage to do what you want? Uh, Then as I turned more into head coach and started supervising the coaches in the club and when I was club manager, I could take on that role. And I realized what big difference it can make. But I feel that we're in a world that's changing a lot. The young kids today have so many opportunities. And if you don't create an environment where they really thrive and enjoy to be, they go play Fortnite or Stumble Guy or whatever they can play in their their phone computer. But on the other hand, I see young kids today that when we create the right framework for them, where they feel secure and happy, they're ready to go the extra mile. I don't need to ask them to push themselves and to create that framework, create that environment, you need a coach who's happy and relaxed and ready to trust the athletes around him. And that's my mission, to go out and create more of these coaches. There are a lot of good guys out there, and I want to create more of them. Just something I wanted to pick up on is the sort of circle of good performance leads to happiness or happiness leads to to good performance which is is an observation that that we've heard from other coaches do you think that that is a widely held view amongst the coaches that you interact with i think it's growing i think it's not in all sports i think it's I see in swimming. I know in, in Denmark we have some heartbeats because of some coaches back in the 90s, early uh, zeros, who went too far in being abu- mentally abusive and really tough. So swimming in Denmark is on the forefront of saying we want to create high-performance swimming in a good environment. Um, I see other countries, but actually... Back in Montreal in, what was it, uh, 2013, I think I was at the World Champs in Montreal. I only had two swimmers. They swam uh, they swam basically the same time. So for eight days, I had to be at the competition pool for two times, 30 minutes. The rest of the time, I was spending sitting at the warm-up pool mm. and watching the interaction between athletes and coaches. And... I learned a lot from just watching the pool. You have a lot of different languages and don't understand nearly all of them. Um, but even you see a Slovakian swimmer speaking a language, I have no idea the body language say it all. 
you can see who's uh, uh, who's the one who can actually look at the clock, be not happy, and tell it to the swimmer, and the swimmer go again. Or the one who look at the clock, put out a fake, fake smile, pretend to the swimmer, and when the swimmer is gone, they yeah. drop they drop their shoulders on the head, and like you know things are not good. You see who give a, ha- a high five when they come out of the pool, who just walk away from each other. And it was a clear line for me between the good relationships around the warm-up pool, the relaxed coaches, those who are just enjoying it, have a, look like they're just at a party. Look like they're just mingling at a party with their swimmers, talking to other people, and the swimmers who performed in the pool on the other side. And, Mads, what about coaches who feel the need for support. What do you think it is that stands in the way of a coach seeking help and support? I think it's traditions. Not so many years even uh, getting help for swimmers was a taboo. I've heard a colleague, I know he's changed his mind since then, but back some years ago he said, once you need a psychologist, forget it, you're done. I know that's not his opinion anymore, but that's where he come from. And and as I think, as a as a swimming coach, you are leading your team. You're leading your team of coaches in the other groups. You have a group of parents around your swimmers you need to lead. You have your board, which in many many cases is also just parents or volunteers who don't know anything about swimming, so you're quite alone. And um, I know in the Danish Swimming Culture Association, we did a survey back in the late 90s on working conditions for coaches. And the one word that came out the most was loneliness. You're alone. You are that one strong figure in the middle. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But I wonder if we can ask Paul to come in on some of the quotes that resonate with what Mads has been talking about from some of the great coaches that you've interviewed. No, I think, thanks Grant. And Mads, it's, it's great listening to your story. And I think this whole idea of coaching, 
which is experiencing a form of loneliness comes up quite frequently. And one of the great examples I've, I've got to insert here is from Paul Ruse. And what's interesting about Paul Ruse is that he was a premiership coach of Australian rules football, but he now runs a consultancy that looks at culture in the workplace. So he works with a lot of CEOs. And in this quote, he talks about how lonely it can be being a head coach or a CEO. And he gives this advice about learning and surrounding yourself with people that you can lean on. And I'll, um, I'll play that for you now. But you've got to lean on the people around you. I think what I would say for the CEOs listening and leaders listening, it can be lonely. Reach out. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers. You know, ask your two IC, do you think I'm doing a, a good job? Do you think we need to change the product? Do you think our strategy's right? Don't think you need to have all the answers. I had really good people around me and they were like, no, no we, we just got to play better. I think staying calm in those moments as well and not reacting, you know, not being reactive is really, really important. You know, there are a multitude of ways, but everyone feels under pressure and everyone feels a little bit insecure at certain times. I believe the, the part don't think you have all the answers is key. I used to believe I had all the answers. Uh, and I know I think it's, I think it's Australian and Australian swimming that did research figuring out that a regular CEO needs to uh, master eight, six to eight areas of competences. And a regular swimming coach is like 14 to 16. So swimming coaches tend to think they know it all. We, of course, swimming coaches, we are gym coaches, we are psychologists, we do life planning, we plan the pool, we plan the training camps, we yeah, make the budgets. We, we think we know it all. And I was there, and not until I started actually listening to people around me, figuring out that one of the big greatest things in, in a sports club is that the parents of the swimmers are from all walks of life. So you will have bankers, CEOs, teachers, mechanics, whoever you can think of as a parent in your group. And just there, there's a lot of great people to talk to. Make sure to pull in the knowledge that is just under your nose. I wonder if part of the pressure that coaches feel is related to this notion that they need to know the answer and that coaches who are able to adopt a philosophy that you've just described is probably the beginning of a next level type of relationship with themselves and and with the athletes and other stakeholders that they coach. I wonder if, Paul, if you've got any similar thought around that confidence of coaches? No, we do. And there's a great example of it, actually, exactly what Mads is talking about. And it comes from a gentleman called Damien Hardwick. And what's interesting about Damien's story is, again, very successful athlete and was failing as a coach. And his club sent him to Harvard in America. They sent him on an authentic leadership course. And he talks about the biggest 
learning he took from that to was to learn to be vulnerable and to admit when he doesn't have the answers. He came back, he embraced this new style, and he went on to win three championships, national championships. And there was books written about the their results, and there was a, a documentary made about it as well. And it's a very powerful example of embracing the kind of vulnerability that then people react very well to. So I'll insert that clip and play it for you now. I think what happens is when you step into coaching, you're always trying to replicate the great coaches that you've had. So you're trying to take the very bits, best bits out of them and trying to morph them into you. And there's no question I was trying to do exactly the same. But what you tend to do is when you're trying to be someone else, you're not actually bringing out yourself and you're not realising why the people that employed you in the first place, they employed you because of who you are. So I was trying to be an imposter of sorts. I was trying to be the great Alistair Clarkson, Kevin Sheedy, Mark Williams, Dennis Pagan, whereas I wasn't being, I hate referring to myself in third person, but wasn't being the very best version of Damien Hardwick. And that's what that, that course taught me. Just do what you do, do it well. Because I've got incredible strengths in certain areas, but I've also got areas that, I'm not great at. And what I had to learn and understand is I didn't have to be great at everything. I just had to be great at certain things. And the one thing I found it that I could complement myself with other people in my organisation. I was very good at this, but you know what? It's not my strength, that area, so I'm going to employ someone that is an expert in that field. And that was the one thing I think that I, that I learned was I had to step back and I had to swallow my ego because I reckon the hardest thing as a leader sometimes is to say, you know what, in front of your players – Boys, I don't know the answer. You know, as a leader, you always think you've got to have every answer, but the fact of the matter is players can, they've got a great understanding when you're bullshitting them, excuse the language, but they've got a great understanding of saying, listen, you're, you're full of crap. And I think what the players started to understand and really like is the fact, boys, I don't know why we lost the game, the matter and we did, but we're going to find out and we'll get back with the answer as a group of coaches. And the more I opened up to the players, the more they opened up to me and, Mads, could I ask you a question, actually? I, listening to you, it sounds, it sounds fascinating and I can see the passion you have for the subject, but I'm wondering what do you actually do? Could you describe to us some of the things you do when you step into a relationship with another coach and start working with them? I'd be very curious to understand that. A lot of what I do is creating clarity. Clarity of how does your life look now? Clarity of what are your values? What is really important to you? When you, as a person, really know your values, your core values, it's easier to take the right decisions. Then you stand by your values. And whatever happens, it's easy to say either yes or no, because you know where it's going to lead. Then, of course, I help with setting the goals. Say, what's your next step? And follow up on it. I believe in a lot, a lot in finding the small, the small changes in your life that will make a big difference. Like one good example, if you want to read a book, people look at a 300-page book and say, oh, shit, this is a long book. But if you read 10 pages a day, you read 3,000 pages in a year, even if you skip skip some days. So it's like everybody can read 10 pages a day. Everybody can come 10 minutes earlier to practice. 
Uh, but one of the small things I did was just making sure to give a handshake and look everybody in the eyes before and after practice. And that started really to roll on the, just empowered my connection with the group. Um, one of my clients, he, that was a, a business leader I was coaching. What made the biggest difference for him was making the coffee machine ready in the evening. Because then it was easy to get out of bed because, you know, on the way to the to the bathroom, you should just flick the button and the coffee would be ready. After three months, that meant he went to the gym every morning because he was out of bed anyways. He was feeling fresh in the evening and his life just changed. And the one little thing that changed the most was this getting the coffee ready in the evening. But it took one and a half a month of coaching to just to make clarity about his life, look all his strategies, look where are you failing, where are you succeeding, what tweaks do we need to do? So I cannot just go in and say, yeah, Paul, just make your coffee machine ready in the evening and your life is going to change. But the process to getting there is just discovering who you are. And I guess just a question, if there are coaches listening to this podcast who feel the need to start looking at this aspect of their lives, what, what advice would you give those coaches? I think, first of all, if they're not in a network of other coaches, find at least one or two coaches in a similar level as themselves to to talk to. And at some point, I even had a coach. We sent all the all our practices to each other. Sometimes we're reading it. Whatever mail I sent to my swimmers, I sent to him also. So we had like we just following up on each other. So first step, find one or two other coaches that you have talked to on a regular basis. Find a great coach. Um, and then come to my homepage. Yeah, I, I love that because it, you're actually going back to this notion of loneliness and yeah. reaching out to other people uh, straight away deals with that. And then, of course, coming to your homepage, you can help them knock it out the park. A big thank you to Mads for taking the time to uh, talk to us about this issue and to Paul for taking us into some of the insights that the great coaches have had on the subject of mental health for coaches. So thank you very much. Thank you, too. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on mental health for coaches with one of our listeners, Mads Clausen, and found one or two things that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table for discussion. If you would like to contact Mads, you can reach him at his website, www madsclausen.dk and we will also put a link to his website in the show notes. Four key lessons I have taken away on the topic of mental health for coaches were a happy coach leads to happier athletes who perform better. It is quite normal to feel lonely as a coach or a CEO and you should not feel that reaching out for support is a sign of ineffectiveness or weakness. As the leader, you do not need to have all the answers. Include those around you in the process of finding ways to improve or answer performance challenges. And the best people to work with 
if you want to make small changes to improve your own performance, are the people in your own network. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we are always trying to learn, so please let us know if you have any feedback. Just like Shining Wit Dad, who after listening to our Trevor Gleason episode said, always great to hear Trevor speak and some really good questions. Lots to take away from the interview that can be applied in a lot of real life situations. Thank you, Shining Wit Dad. The interaction with people around the world who listen gives us great energy. And so if you would like to join us for a future episode, or have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And all the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.